And welcome to Pikapi Podcast, everybody. This is your Pokemon anime podcast, going through each episode of the Pokemon series one at a time, start to finish, and occasionally going off into random tangents and all sorts of things. On the last episode, I asked you all which athletes in your favorite sports were the Ash Ketchumiest of all athletes. And for me, in figure skating, I would definitely say it is Yuzuru Hanyu, and this weekend with the the World Figure Skating Championships, he did not disappoint. We totally had the whole face the gym and lose, but come back the next day and just destroy everything while I break world records. That's the power of special training. But yeah, the championships are over. I have finally restarted my poor heart. Upsets across all disciplines, but the men's event in particular was nuts. Those boys don't know how to have a normal competition anymore, but Ash Ketchum would have been so proud. And one of my favorites took a Pikachu in with him to the kiss and cry, so that was special. But yeah, whatever sports you follow, volleyball, distance running, badminton, there's surely at least one athlete out there going all Ash Ketchum on the field. Just write in and tell me who it is. Especially since the Winter Olympics are coming, there's a lot of fun sports that... A lot of us don't follow the rest of the year, and we want to know who the fun people are as we go into that competition. I don't know about you guys, but I don't think about it for three years, and then the Winter Olympics comes around, and it's like suddenly I care a lot about the luge and the bobsled and downhill skiing. Like, surely the news will tell me all the favorites they have and who they're hyping at the moment. But I want to know who's going to show up to their track or their arena or whatever and just go nuts. Because Ash Ketchum may not win every battle he's been in, certainly not every tournament he's been in, but wow is he a delight to observe. While you're all switching gears from your nerd brain to your sporty brain, I'll just remind you Peak Happy Podcast is brought to you by PokePress. If you wander over to their YouTube channel, you'll find new videos up from Anime Milwaukee. An interview with the Pokemon Sun and Moon tournament winner, along with all their uh, interviews with various voice actors who have voiced Pokemon characters. There have been interviews with the Pokemon Oceana International competitions, people competing in the VCG and the TCG Masters divisions. Talks with Laura Post and Vic Monyana and hordes of others. They're on YouTube at PokePress or pokepress.blogspot.com. Or you can click a link that I'll have on my blog page, and I'll give you that info at the end of the episode. And what episode are we on today? I'm not sure. The numbers are getting so high. I'm going to have to look at this. We are Advanced Generation 006, also known as Episode 280. 
a poached ego. And in this episode, the kids are on their way to Rustboro City, and May still hasn't adjusted to the new training regime. Uh, but the Pokenav so far seems like a pretty useful invention. They don't seem to have gotten too lost. It's a town map with a GPS, and it seems to help the process, though they're still losing a lot of time on the frequent breaks for May, and Ash isn't especially happy about that, but he does his best to keep his chill going. Like, really, all of Advanced Generation, this boy has achieved some kind of zen. I don't know what happened, maybe that giant electrical shock he took in the first episode gave him a lobotomy, but he's, he's been doing really well at keeping his temper. And just keeping his spaz under control in general. We'll see how Brock does with that, since Max has just revealed that there is a Pokemon Center fairly close by. And you know who works in the Pokemon Center, so every second counts. Uh, but they don't hit the road right away because they notice that there's a lot of bark stripped off the nearby trees. And it kind of implies that a Pokemon battle might have taken place there. But Ash doesn't see who would use a metal barb and a net in a Pokemon battle. So something happened, and maybe it wasn't quite so tame as a mere Pokemon battle, but they can't figure out the mystery with only one clue, so they head off to the Pokemon Center. Um, May learns firsthand about the Nurse Joy, Nurse Jenny, freakishly duplicitous family resemblance. Although, as we pointed out last episode, they are not the only ones. But yes, the nurse in Old Dale Town is this Nurse Joy's older sister, and the Officer Jenny in this town also looks like all her relatives. At least to the layman. Brock knows all of these girls and their unique attributes down to the millimeter difference in a haircut. Which could be creepy or sincerely flattering depending on your mood. How I feel about Brock's attention to detail tends to fluctuate on the day. Ash thinks it's amazing. Joy and Jenny are going with Creepy, but they've got more important things to get through right now. Jenny believes there's a Pokemon poacher named Rico in the area, and he's known for being ruthless and injuring a lot of Pokemon in the process, so Jenny wants to know if Joy has been treating a lot of severely injured Pokemon lately, and Nurse Joy hasn't noticed a change in the wild Pokemon or the local trainers bringing in clientele, but Ash does have that piece of net and metal barb, and he shows it to the police officer, and they can show Jenny exactly where the poacher has been active. But Ash's clue is nothing compared to what Team Rocket finds. In their activities spying on the twerps, they stumble on a cage of bruised and battered Ekans. The poor Pokemon look awful, and Meowth learns that they've been captured by poachers. He tries to break them out, but the cage is electrified, so it zaps him. Arbok is moved with sympathy for its fellow snakes, and Jesse and James are appalled at the condition of the Ekans. Like, what poacher would injure the Pokémon they're capturing on purpose? The Ekans are taking damage from the cage they're in, and they're already captured. Like, this is overkill. Unnecessary. Amateurish. And also a bit ironic. But hey, Team Rocket has standards. And they decide that they'll take all the Ekans. Capture them from the capturer, and then they'll build an Ekans army. And that works for Arbok, because while Jesse doesn't exactly radiate compassion and trustworthiness, these abused Pokemon will have a much better life with Jesse and James becoming part of the team than tortured in a cage to be sold for the highest bidder. 
The Team Rocket trio is many things, but they do care for their own Pokemon and try to treat them okay. The key word being try, they still don't know how they're going to feed the new team members, they can barely feed themselves. But it may not matter, because none of Weezing or Arbok's attacks can break through the cage, and as they're puzzling this out, who should show up but Pokemon Pocher Rico, dun-dun-dun. And he's captured a whole bunch of little coughing, Weezing's like, you monster. And I kind of want Team Rocket to have that moment, like, really have that moment where they realize that this is exactly what Giovanni does. Like, he doesn't turn the Pokemon around for profit, often. His goal is usually more amassing power, but dude, Mewtwo, that was some pretty high-tech torture KG devices, and stealing Pokemon from nature, from trainers, like keeping them in cages or other painful and inhumane devices when they don't cooperate, blackmail and extortion to get people in Pokemon to do what Giovanni wants. Like, this is exactly what he does, exactly what Rico's doing. I think Jesse and James are still so low on the totem pole in the mob chain, like, sometimes I don't think the reality of what they're part of sinks in fully. Like, they, they know they're bad guys. But I don't think they really get how bad, since they sometimes have such moral indignation when they see people doing stuff like this. And I guess people can compartmentalize and justify anything if they really want to, but, you know, Team Rocket sometimes shows such capacity for goodness that they almost seem to be like the mob boss's wife or children or something. It's like, I know daddy is involved in some shady things, but like, either because they genuinely don't know or don't ask questions, they don't realize how shady those things are. And I kind of want to have that moment where Jesse and James, like, it really hits them what those uniforms they wear actually mean. Because I think they're still at a point where if the brutal truth hit them in the face, their consciences wouldn't really let them be part of it. Like, I don't know if they'd quit or, like, try to stage a Team Rocket revolution or something or try to take over the organization. I don't know. But Jesse and James clearly have a line in the sand for their morality. And one of these days in their tenure with Team Rocket, I think they're going to have to cross it. But the connection has not been made yet. And Rico is angry about thieves trying to steal what he's put so much effort into poaching. So he tells Jesse and James to give over Weezing and Arbok, or he'll just take them. And yeah, Team Rocket's having none of that, especially Weezing and Arbok. So the Pokemon jump into battle with no prompt from their trainers. And it's Weezing and Arbok versus a Fero. And it's always Fero in this show! One day we'll meet the valley of the happy, kindly Fero who do nothing but service and good deeds, but that day is not today. While Weezing and Arbok are put on the ropes at first, uh, they do eventually pin Firo with Arbok's rap attack and cause Rico to recall it, which is almost worse. He sends out a Pupitar to use Sandstorm, and that sends Team Rocket blasting off. They land in bug Pokemon territory, specifically the Beedrill pointy pointy angry bug territory, and have to run for their lives, and while doing so, a Cacnea wanders into the road. The little pointy plant sees the people running and the Pokemon chasing, and decides to put an end to this. It fires its own pin missile at the Beedrill and chases them off. Helps out the humans, and once that's done, James thanks Cacnea with a bunch of cookies. 
Then Team Rocket can scheme. They're going to get that poacher. And Arbok uh, can pick up sound waves in the Earth so it can track Rico. I never knew Arbok could do this. I don't think Jesse did either. I think it's a case of like, well, you never asked. Or maybe I never had time to tell you. You sent us blasting off so quickly. But Arbok can track through the ground a very useful skill that has been criminally underutilized throughout the series. Uh, but meanwhile, the Twerps have found tire tracks from the battle area uh, that they noticed in the forest and decide to have Talo searching from the air. So between the two teams, I think we'll hone in on Rico pretty soon. Team Rocket arrives on the scene first with the most impressive display of teamwork I've ever seen out of them. Arbok comes out of the ground with Dig to stop the car. Weezing creates a smoke screen that hides Meowth while he's trying to pick the lock with his claws. And then Firo blows the smoke screen away to see that Meowth is getting electrocuted in the process, but it's nothing compared to Pikachu, so please, he's got this. And when Firo goes to attack Meowth, Arbok defends him. Like, it's so great. Team Rocket's really working as a unit. Arbok defeats Firo by slamming it into that same electric cage they kept the Pokemon in, and after Firo faints, Meowth gets the cage open and releases all of the Pokemon. All the Ekans and coughing, and then Arbok and Weezing attack Rico directly. That gun of his, the, the capture net gun, it falls to the ground in a prominent way, very Chekhov's gun, and yet we see nothing of it later, so... Uh, but Rico, he's so mad, he doesn't even worry about that now. He throws out Pupitar, who evolves on the spot into Tyranitar. Uh-oh. Run, Team Rocket, scatter. But no escape attempts are a match for Tyranitar's hyper beam. Not even Wobbuffet's counter. Poor thing. Jesse calls it up to the majors and it's all confident and then boom, hyper beam to the face. And Wobbuffet's down. Meanwhile, that hyperbeam usage is just creating all sorts of new landscape design. Yikes. Some geologist is going to wander by and just be like, when did we terraform everything? Uh, but Team Rocket knows they're beaten, and unfortunately the Pokemon still want to defend them. And Jesse, James, and Meowth decide it's time to do something really heroic. They tell Weezing and Arbok to lead the Coughing and Ekans into the forest to safety while they hold off Rico. Because there might be a lot of Pokemon, but there's no way they can take down Tyranitar. Definitely not without someone getting hurt. Arbok and Weezing are not down with this. Cause they're, they're so loyal. But eventually see it might be the only way to save their new friends. And when they leave, I, I love how Weezing's second head keeps looking over its shoulder kind of at James. <laughs> it's sad. There go Arbok and Weezing. I was a little bit wrong last episode. It was the last time Arbok and Weezing had to battle the Twerps, but not the last time they had to battle, period. But yeah, last episode was the last time they saw the Twerps. Like, they didn't even get to say goodbye. I mean, it would be an awkward goodbye. Like, I'm sure Ash has no hard feelings for them, but they have hurt Pikachu a lot throughout the years. But their goodbye with Jesse and James is, is tearful, dramatic, and sad. Not for Rico, though. He's gonna have Tyranitar burn down the forest if he has to. And it's... It, this battle that happens is hard for Weezing and Arbok to ignore, with Meowth using Fury Swipes against a Tyranitar, 
Jesse and James also using fury swipes against a Tyranitar. Like, they are going all out. I'm surprised they didn't bring an unconscious Wobbuffet out and start using him as a bludgeon. But, you know, despite the fact that they might actually be causing some damage to Tyranitar, they're taking a beating in the process. And it pains Arbok and Weezing, but they do make their escape with tears rolling down their faces. They head off into the forest, and Team Rocket literally battles until they faint. But it's not enough to stop Rico, and eventually he heads off into the forest all lone gun. Luckily, all this activity catches the attention of Taylo and the twerpy entourage, so they finally arrive on the scene. Officer Jenny and her Growlithe confront Rico, with Ash and company as backup. Rico sends out Firo, and Ash is like, Thunderbolt the demon bird, don't ask questions! <laughs> Firo goes down in one hit. There was never a chance Ash and Pikachu would go easy on that Pokemon. <laughs> so they apprehend Rico, take away his Pokemon, but when it comes to the Pokemon he was poaching, well, the heroes are a little late. Someone else rescued them. And this is reassuring to Ash, like with all the bad people in the world, like Rico and Team Rocket, there are good people too. So, no one will ever know of Jesse and James and Meow's heroism, just the Pokemon. Separated from their longtime partners, Jesse and James wonder if Arbok and Weezing are going to be alright. But Meow thinks that they've got to be tough as nails after all that battling with Pikachu, and certainly Arbok's life cannot get worse. But I will miss those crazy faces, like you were a trooper, Arbok, you put up with so much... You too, Weezing. I I'm sorry to see you go, but your lives can only go up from here. Meanwhile, that little Cacnea from before has been following Team Rocket and either thinks these guys look fun or just wants more cookies. Either way, when James invites Cacnea to travel with them, it says yes. And it hugs James. Remember, it's a cactus. So this will be a running gag. And... You know, it's the greatest story never told for Team Rocket. Like, to the twerps, they'll always be the bad guys, but they've racked up a couple of good guy moments here in the Hoenn region. So good for them. Ugh, it's, it's sad to see Arbok and Weezing go. Like, I didn't think I would grow to love Arbok as much as I did when I started this podcast, because, you know, my first time through the series, Arbok and Weezing were not particularly my favorites of Team Rocket's team. I kind of fell more in love with Wobbuffet. Like, I guess Arbok and Weezing just never made a huge impression on me when I was first watching the series, but going back through it again, like, the animators really worked hard to give Arbok a bit of personality, and every day seemed like a day that Arbok wished it didn't come into work, but... <laughs> But I am going to miss its bulging eyes and weird expressions and, like, what have my trainers gotten me into now? <laughs> Here's hoping that Arbok has a nice, good rest of its life with the little baby Ekans. <laughs> if you guys want to write in about your favorite memories with Arbok and Weezing or your favorite athletes that you think embody the spirit of Ash Ketchum, uh, you can write in to peakappypodcast at blogspot.com. We're also at peakappypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Podcast. And as always, you can subscribe to us via iTunes, Zoom, or wherever you get your podcast feeds. Thank you so much for listening today. 
Uh, we'll talk to you next time. This has been Peak Happy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. <laughs>